0: Welcome to the Open House Podcast site, available at openhousecommunity dot com dot Well, what a week the United States has had since we were last together. First, the Boston Marathon bombings: three dead, one hundred and eighty injured. Then the explosion at the fertilizer factory in the tiny Texas town of West: at least fourteen dead, around two hundred injured. Today, the U.S. President Barack Obama again described Boston as an act of terror. The remaining suspect, Zokhar Zaneyev, is in hospital in a serious condition, unable to communicate. The state governor says there are a million questions to ask him, questions that need to be answered. President Obama also said the attacks will not be remembered for the damage they caused, but the stories of heroism and kindness, like the man you're about to hear. If ever there was the right man at the right time, it was Pastor Joe Brasino. He leads a church in Illinois, and competing in the Boston Marathon was on his bucket list. He has a moving story indeed of what it was like on the ground. He's just conducted a service at his church, remembering the victims, and I'm so glad that he joins us now on Open House. Pastor Brasino, welcome. Thank you, sir. So grateful for your time, Joe. So can I start by asking you why you are running in the marathon what it means to you Joe
1: Yes sir this was the 7th marathon that I had run the Boston marathon is the most prestigious road race on earth and was a dream of mine a goal of mine for many years to
0: run and a huge event for people not so familiar with it it is enormous isn't it
1: yes sir oh it is the most spectacular thought after race for a runner this is the ultimate 23 to twenty-seven thousand runners from all over the world
0: so take us to the day as i said you were a few hundred meters away from the finish line when these blasts went off take us into that moment joe
1: we were about a half a mile away from the uh, finish line I was running, and the first thing I noticed to my left were about eight police officers in full regalia running on foot, running towards the city. I didn't think much of that, so I kept running, and then all of a sudden in front of me, about 30 to 40 runners in front of me, they all came to a halt. They stopped their running, and I found that very interesting. I was trying to process everything, and so they're coming to a halt, and right as I See that in front of me. Then, then come on a street to my left, were several police cars just driving by very fast with their sirens flaring one after another after another.
0: So, at what stage did you realize? Did it connect with you what had actually happened?
1: I walked over to a spectator on the side of the road. None of the runners I spoke with could hear anything of the blast because the roar of the cheers from the crowd was was it was so loud Hmm. we couldn't hear anything so I asked the spectator I said what's going on and he said I heard two explosions as soon as he said that Lee I knew something very wrong had happened I I almost thought this could be a terrorist attack because we are on a world stage somebody wanted to make a statement
0: and yet for an event of such goodness and such health it's also probably one of the last moments that you'd expect a terrorist attack.
1: Yes, sir. I Never in my wildest dreams did I expect something like that.
0: So your initial response was what?
1: My initial response was, I, I need to call my wife and let her know that this is happening because I don't want her to find out and be worried because she was tracking my run and she knew that I was very close to the finish line. So I, I, I carried my cell phone with me on a little belt I dialed my wife. I told her what had happened. I said, I'm safe. told her we're at a standstill. They stopped the run. Stay calm. I told her I loved her. I wanted to make sure I told her that. You never know what's going to happen. There was a sense, Lee, that whatever had happened, those two explosions, that it could be ongoing, that there could be more. But that's all I knew. So I, I hung up the phone with her. The runners were just kind of looking around
0: and the sense in the crowd can you describe that
1: it was disbelief it was shock disbelief because this is the the Boston Marathon this is the world's most prestigious road race and here this happened and the runners are like this isn't supposed to be happening so there was shock there was you know we were tired we were emotionally spent it was slower for us to process what's going on because we were fatigued.
0: I'm sure that's true. It's probably a helpful thing to remind us of, because you'd just gone through literally running a marathon. Yes, sir.
1: We're talking among ourselves. I overheard a runner say, our bodies are cooling down fast, because we were running and our bodies are warm, but the temperature outside was cooler. It was in the mid-40s now. And our bodies were cooling down fast and there was a concern that we could go into hypothermia. The initial concern was either let us keep running or bring buses and bus us away, divert us to a different finish line.
0: At what stage did it turn from shock to anger, Joe?
1: I think it went from shock to deep fear before it went to anger. I called my wife, here's an example, I called my wife a second time because I was fancy now. I wanted some details. And she had told me that all they were saying is there had been two explosions at the finish line, that there had been some people affected, and I was deeply concerned. And at that point, there were other people apparently making phone calls. One lady, as I'm talking to my wife, Lee, for all intents and purposes, she loses it emotionally. She just collapses emotionally. She begins to yell out. She said, my sister, my, I don't know if she made it. I don't know. And I said, miss. You know, I was talking to my wife, and I said, Miss, are you okay? I'm a minister. Are you okay? And my wife said, why don't you just hang up and tend to the situation? So I, I went to that lady, and she grabbed my arm, and she said, my sister. And she, it was very difficult for her to get the words out between sobs and the fear, the terror that gripped their heart. And I could sympathize because I had friends waiting for me at the finish line. Lee, I was deeply, deeply concerned that something dreadful had happened to my friends as well. It took every ounce of energy for me to remain composed.
0: Do you know what happened to her sister? Was she okay?
1: I asked her, I said, Miss, is there anybody I can contact? She didn't have a cell phone. I said, is there anybody I can contact with? She said... Please call my brother-in-law. She sang all this through tears and fear and screams. I mean, she was very loud, very demonstrative. You could tell she was deeply shaken. So I dialed the number. I get the gentleman on the phone. I said, sir, your sister-in-law would like to talk to you. And she's yelling. She said, is so-and-so all right? Is my sister all right? He reassured her that everything was fine. She yelled, my sister is fine. And she said, minister, minister. That's what she called me. She's like, minister, minister. Please pray with me. And so I gently put my hand on her shoulder, and she grabbed me. You know, like the, she was an, a much older lady, but late fifties, early sixties. She grabbed me, and 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 we were praying. And uh, and I just said, Lord, just help her, comfort her. You know, I, I try to be calm for her. I try to soothe her. I try to reassure her everything is going to be okay. So that settled down. But then there were other little incidences like that that began to break out a little bit, not not among all the crowd, But all the while, other runners, more concerned, maybe not demonstrating fear or crying or yelling, but I knew that they were deeply concerned. So I would engage them in conversations as a diversion away from the concern.
0: Joe, you were the right man at the right time.
1: Thank you, sir. I just was trying to be of ministry through presence. There were so many runners. They tried to bring us water, but there was such a, there's very little supply of it. You know, what bottle I had, I drank a little bit, but I would share with whoever needed water. I, I just try to be more aware of those around me because it, the situation was getting very tense.
0: Joe, as I said, you've conducted a service at your own church nearby Illinois about this yes, today. Sir. What have you said to your people about not only your experiences, but many of the questions that are raised at moments like this?
1: I told them that evil is real in the world today, that God is good always, that God does not cause bad things, that people can cause evil things, that we have a spiritual enemy that can bring about catastrophe and destruction to people's lives. It is God's love that reaches out to people in desperate need. Um, We wanted to present the hope of Jesus Christ in the here and now and in eternity for people.
0: I'm sure you'll be of enormous help to your congregation in processing the events of this past week. And as I said, you are the right man at the right time on the day. Could I ask you, though, personally, how you've processed this? how you cope.
1: It's been very difficult, Lee. personally. I, I'm normally a, a stoic person when it comes to my emotions. I like to think that I'm usually strong as a pastor because I lay my personal feelings aside to minister to others. But, for example, when, when I was done that day and I went to the hotel room, I imploded emotionally. I just collapsed on the bed and I, I took a towel over my face and I just slept into it for the longest time. It was very, very difficult, and still is. You know, every now and then I'll I'll be okay, and then it'll hit me again, the full weight of just what happened. It seems like with time, the magnitude of the tragedy just hits you all over again. It's like waves of of realization. So I allow myself in my private moments to process, to weep, to pray, to talk to God, to just do whatever I need to sort through it all. I gain a lot of strength from God. God has been the source of my strength through all this, especially as a pastor with the weight of leadership upon me and the responsibility of life, you know, that I need to lead spiritually. God has been a, an endless source of strength to me, and I thank God for the privilege of prayer that I can depend on Him and lean on His strength when, when I am empty and, and when I'm weak.
0: Joe, I'm sure you're an absolute inspiration to your congregation as you were to people on the day and as they hear you speak so powerfully across Australia and beyond. I'm so glad you've joined us. Thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.